Uh, Father God, we, we cherish your word. We cherish this time where we can, oh, we have open Bibles on our, or apps on our lap, and we, we have access to your word where, you know, generations before didn't. And we so much appreciate that. We can know, we can understand your will for our lives. Not just history, Lord. This is our very, our daily bread, as it were. And we, we pray that you'd give us our portion and you'd break the bread of life to us in such a way that it would uh, nourish and strengthen us, our inner man, and uh, be glorified in this process here this morning. We ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. Acts chapter 9. Long chapter, 43 verses. We uh, looked at the, uh, the, 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 what was the salvation, I guess, probably the best way to put it, of, of Saul of Tarsus. And uh, I think we drew a lot of things out of that. And this is where the story picks up. Uh, you know, uh, I'm going to read, starting in verse 19, just, I know we covered that, but just kind of, you know, kind of get a running start because we're jumping in the middle of the chapter. When he had received meat, because he, he had been fasting for three days, right? He was strengthened. Then was Saul certain days of the disciples, which were at Damascus. Straightway he preached Christ in the synagogues, that he is the Son of God. But all that heard him were amazed and said, Is not this he that destroyed them, which call on this name in Jerusalem? And came hither for that intent, that he might bring them bound unto the chief priests. But Saul increased the more in strength and confounded the Jews which dwelt in Damascus, proving that this was very Christ. And we talked about, why, is he the smartest guy in every room that he's able to, well, actually, he probably is. You say, well, you know, I'm kind of, it's, 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 it's daunting to tell people about Jesus. A lot of them people I'm talking to argue better than me and are smarter than me. Let me tell you something. Right makes might, and it isn't a question of intellect. All the smartest people are Christians. Well, some incredibly intelligent people are Christians, and some incredibly intelligent people aren't. Some people who are very simple, very basic in their understanding are Christians, and some people who are very basic and very simple in the understanding are not Christians. All things being equal, I'd rather be smarter than dumb, <laughs> wouldn't you? I'd rather be smarter than I am now. We all want to uh, have better intellect than we have now. One, work at it. Two, pray. As I get older and my memory doesn't work as well, I, I've been praying, Lord, I want to be able to teach your word, and I don't want to forget, like, simple stuff. Give me the mind of Christ. Isn't that our inheritance? Isn't that one of those all things pertaining to life and godliness? And it's not my argumentation that, that, or my ability to argue that wins the day. It's the word of God. It has life. It gives life. Uh, Ken always says, Unleash the lion. Just let the word have its way in people's, in, in people's heart. Don't give people your opinion. Your opinion is like anyone else's opinions. They're, some of them, you know, not so good. Some of them are a little better. But share the word of God. It, it will, people who, I've, I've had people say, well, I don't believe the Bible is the word of God. And I've quoted to them and see the work of the spirit of God in someone who's just said they don't believe in it. I've watched them come undone. Say, wow, you're amazing. I'm not. I'm not. It's the Word of God that's amazing. And Paul, although he's the smartest guy in all the, every room he's in, it's not that that he's been able to confound these people. It's because right makes might, because he has the Word of God on his side. And that's something I just want you to take with you. You can, so, so, because, again, you're talking to somebody, and they're laughing at you and calling you a rube. I know, I know, I know. 
I know how it goes. Quote the Word of God. Know the Word of God. Use the Word of God. Will God bless it? Only, always. Only, now, that doesn't mean that that person is going to fall on the knees and become saved like right there at the moment. It doesn't always work out that way. And by the way, people, you know, you, you think, uh, this guy's heard it. This guy's heard it. I've told, talked to him. I've talked to him until I'm blue in the face. They say that the people, they hear the gospel an average of seven times before they get saved. Isn't that something? I, people who know these things, I, I, I don't know. It, for me, it was one and done, I mean, the first time. But I'm not bragging about that. I'm bragging about Jesus. Well, I'm more perceptive than the, these average. I got it right away. No, I think God just worked in my heart. I think that's how it works, you know. So keep sharing just because, and you know the other thing too, you've got family members who are just, you've been talking, you've been talking, you're talking, you get nowhere, right? Yet, God's working in their life. You keep praying, you keep sharing. After many days were fulfilled, the Jews took counsel to kill him. <laughs> Saul loses. You're not winning the arguments. You're going to kill us. Listen, that's the way it always is. I, I know that we're in truth because people are so adamantly opposed to us. No, people aren't adamantly opposed to you. got a dentist who's a Buddhist or something. My dentist's not. I, just, I say that, right? You always think, right, where are you going to get your teeth pulled? Hey, look, oh, he's a good guy. He's not a man of God. He's a nice guy. He's a good dentist, and he gives us a break <laughs> so we like him you know we've been seeing him since we had teeth practically and just you know our whole adult lives we, you know good guy he's getting ready to retire I'm, then what are we going to do anyway he's not a buddhist but if he was you know you got a dentist who's buddhist we don't care people don't you know attack buddhists people aren't like all upset about you know Hare krishnas or they're upset with us all the time why? That's just the way it works. The unrighteous have always persecuted the righteous. Listen, guys, that goes back to Cain and Abel. And Jesus told us, you know, this, this world is no friend to grace. Uh, so here they are, and this is what you see. Don't let that stress you out. Don't let that bother you. Like I say, that's, that's part and parcel to who we are as Christians. Don't shy away. Be as bold as butter. Just tell people what they need to know. Uh, will they hate you? I guarantee they'll be very upset. <laughs> uh, I always think about this as, uh, who's the guy who founded Methodism? Uh, Wesley. John Wesley. She knows because he used to be one way back in the day. John Wesley, he, he had a school for preachers, and you know, he'd tell guys, well, go preach. You know? And then they'd come back and he'd say, was anyone saved? And they'd say, oh, yeah. They'd say, oh, good, you got a calling to preach. And if the answer was no, he'd say, well, was anyone mad? Oh, yeah, well, good, you got a calling to preach. And that kind of sums it up. It's like, you know, people get mad at us. They'll get very upset. It's the Word of God. It's how it works. I'd let them stew in their own juice. I'm not trying to soft pedal. I'm still going to talk about sin and redemption, your need to repent. That's the good news. Uh, and we can't change it. To, uh, people try. You know, there's a whole movement out there that wants to make Christianity more user-friendly, just kind of like, you know, we don't want to talk about sin. We don't talk, no, you're good just the way you are, sweetheart. We don't care if you're involved in all this depravity, wickedness. That's fine. You know, God loves you just 
the way you are. Is that true or not? God loves you the way you are, but he loves you too much to let you stay the way you are. Redemption is about change. It's about overcoming sin in our lives. Not by your own bootstraps, by the power of the Holy Spirit in your life. Anyway, all that to say, they're trying to kill him. But their laying in wait was known of Saul, and he watched the gates day and night to kill him. Then the disciples took him by night and led him down uh, by the wall in a basket. That's kind of an <laughs> ignoble way to escape. Uh, ten foot tall and bulletproof. It just looks like different things at different times. But here, you know, God's got a plan for this guy. He's going to be talking to kings and to the emperor himself. He's going to appear before uh, Caesar. Uh, you know, he, he hasn't got... Uh, uh, you know, his, what's going to happen to him? He's not going to be killed at uh, Damascus a few days after he gets saved, and we don't have the whole New Testament, or half the New Testament's missing because of it. No, no. When God's got a plan, God's going to work that plan. When Saul was come to Jerusalem, he essayed to join himself to the disciples, but they were all afraid of him and believed not that he was a disciple. Can you imagine? I said last week, you know, Osama bin Laden gets saved. Well, he's dead, we know. Uh, but let's say, just say, because uh, I can't think of somebody else who's so, you know, anti who we are. And then he, you know, emails me, hey, I'd like to come and share my testimony. We want to vet that. <laughs> you want to come and, uh, you know, we're going to frisk him at the door. You, you know what I mean? We're, we're not crazy people. We, we, you know, we, we, we don't want to put you in harm's way. I mean, uh, those of us who are shepherds, you know, we have this idea we always want to protect sheep. I mean... Shepherds feed sheep, but they also beat up wolves. You've got to understand that. And that's how I always felt about, you know, ones like this. So I totally understand that Saul's coming. Yeah, hey, let me uh, come and, you know, fellowship with you guys. Oh, great. He knows the jargon. He knows the, he knows the terminology. But this guy's bad news. Look, um, when they heard him, they were amazed in verse 20. Is not this... He that destroyed them, which call on this name in Jerusalem, and come hither for that intent. Look, at everyone knows who he is. His reputation precedes him. So he's back to Jerusalem. Hey, guys, you know, I'm one of you now. Let me in. Not so fast. Wait a second. Uh, but Barnabas took him. You know how we say, uh, good going, Barnabas. Uh, you know, thanks for the... Uh, uh, because Barnabas is that kind of guy. He's the son of encouragement. And when somebody says something that's really discouraging, I, I sarcastically call him Barnabas. You know what I mean? That's why. Well, Barnabas here, he took him. That's to say, he took Saul of Tarsus and he brought him to the apostles and declared unto them how he had seen the Lord in the way and that he had spoken to him and how he had... Uh, preach boldly at Damascus in the name of Jesus. So Barnabas uses his cachet, uses his, he knows Saul, he knows what's happened in Saul's life, and he knows the apostles, and he brings them together. Is, this, is there a lesson in that? Oh my goodness. Listen, if the most important thing in life are relationships, say, like, where'd you get that? Oh, from Jesus. You know, someone comes and says, what, what's the most important commandment what's what's life about is what he's asking what's the whole thing i can't keep the whole law look at 613 618 613 i think laws in the old testament it's kind of tough to keep them all if i could just keep one which one would you say that i should keep jesus says love the lord with your whole heart mind soul and strength and love your neighbor as yourself Jesus boiled it all down to, you know, your relationship with God is, is number one. And by the way, if you're not hooked up this way, all these, other, these relationships this way, you're missing something. 
We can have friendships. We can have, but we can't have fellowship. We can't have tightness. We can't have real intimacy outside of the Lord. And I think like I'm mad and I'm upset with the Lord and I'm not following. And everything I say to everyone else is just spew. It's, I'm, not, I'm out of sorts, I'm wrong, I'm sinning, and I'm getting my sin all over everybody. But me and the Lord, we're, we're super tired. I'm walking in the Spirit. God's talking to me. I'm living the life that He wants me to live. And then I'm a benefit to people. I'm talking with people, and, and there's health happening. And it's not sin and, and wickedness. It's good stuff and, and healthy stuff. And and I want that. I want that among all of us. Relationships are really important. I will use my cachet. I will use who I am to take two warring parties and bring them together. Look, let's learn something here. You know this one, you know this one, and this one's not talking to this one, and you know them both? What are you going to do about it? <laughs> Barnabas says, no, we can't have this. We can't have this. Look, you guys all scared him. These guy's a real asset. Listen, he, he's like um, in the Sanhedrin. He's been studying scripture his whole life. God has saved him. He's rescued him. He's changed his life. You know, we want him on our team. This is a good thing. And he uses what, what he's got with both of them to, to the, the leverage, the power he's got with both of those parties to bring them together. Does that kind of speak to your heart? It speaks to mine a lot. Listen, if your relationships are sour, what do you got? What's your life all about? My, my life's going great. I just, I, I can't stand everybody and everyone can't stand me. Other than that, it's going terrific. Uh, recalibrate. Think it over. So he's, he brings them to, and now they're all, and now it's Paul and the disciples, Paul and the apostles. He's not one of the 12. He's his own kind of deal, but Barnabas isn't one of the 12. Um, but they're all on the same team. They're on Team Jesus. They're all pulling on the same side of the rope in this tug-of-war that is life. And he was with them coming in and going out at Jerusalem. And he spake boldly in the name of the Lord Jesus and disputed among the Grecians, but they went about to slay him. So they have these, here it's called disputed. I think they're just discussions. And sometimes, you know how when you discuss Jesus with somebody, I would say don't debate. Be ready to give to every man an answer. But some people are just contentious, and they just want to fight. Well, I ain't got time for you and your silliness. Fight with somebody else. I think we argue people into the kingdom. Tell them the truth. But somebody wants to... You know, it's amazing to me. The new atheists are just... I don't know if you know any what's going on out there. Same old arguments that we've discredited decades ago. Now they're just more strident, more virulent, and, and yell louder and say some of the most horrific things. I can't remember if it was Hitchens. I almost think it was. He, he said, if I could eradicate rape or Christianity, I would eradicate Christianity. Say, what? <laughs> now, ostensibly the man has women in his life, a mom, a, a wife, a, a daughter, a sister. If that happened to them, would he change his views? Ugh. Incredible stuff going on out there. Do I want to sit and have a debate with one of them? Not really. Not really. Love people in the kingdom. Don't debate them into the kingdom. Be ready to give it to every man an answer. Some people are looking for answers. Some people are want a battle. You should 
some point in your life, you should be able to tell the difference. Don't waste your time with people who, you know, and, and when you find yourself and your, your, your cheeks are flushed and your pulse is racing and you're all agitated, that's a short sign. Nothing good has happened. There's a spirit moving in your life. I think that you're in the flesh. And that's the time for me to just step back and nothing good comes of that. You know, I'm pretty good at arguing. I have been in the past. So I win the debate and lose the war because people are very upset with me now because I've made their argumentation look silly. They don't know that's a... Doesn't, doesn't ultimately get us to the point where we want to go. But here he's disputing, and I think it's just discussion. I, I, don't, I don't know that it's a, a war. But they, it is on their part. They went about to slay him. Again, sore losers. They you know, can't win the argument. So we'll, isn't that just life, though? You know, We don't like the message. Kill the messenger. Which when the brother knew, they brought him down to Caesarea and sent him forth to Tarsus. Then had the churches rest through all Judea and Galilee and Samaria. And were edified and walking in the fear of the Lord and the comfort of the Holy Ghost. And they were multiplied. So they send Saul away and now everything's going good. <laughs> Saul scratches his head saying, boy, was I the problem? Uh, why does the Holy Spirit of God put that there in front of us? Does Paul have the wrong attitude? I don't think so. I think God's got other plans for Paul. So he's just putting them on the shelf here to learn he goes back to Arabia, and I think 14 years he's with the Lord learning and before he really launches his ministry. You know, there's a little bit of a, we want you to, you know, some guy gets saved a week from Tuesday, and he wants to, like, you know, have ministry and my ministry, and he wants to, you know, publish and broadcast. And there's a time to grow. There's a time to know. We don't want to, you know, so somebody gets saved, we don't want to put him in charge of too much too soon. We want to have the right, it's all, it's, and it's, it's not an exact science. It's kind of hard. Here, the Spirit of God puts him aside, I think, for his growth and for the benefit of all around, every which way. Came to pass as Peter, now it switches back to Peter, okay? It came to pass as Peter passed throughout all quarters. He came down also to the saints which dwelt at Lydda. And there he found a certain man named Aeneas, which had kept his bed eight years and was sick of the palsy. So he's... He's in bed for eight years, means he can't get up, can't palsy here. We're not exactly sure. People have an idea what, but anyway, he can't walk, so he's in bed for eight years. Peter said unto him, Aeneas, Jesus Christ maketh thee whole. Arise and make thy bed. And he arose immediately. What can we do with that? Read it and love it. <laughs> Just accept it and embrace it. Um, does that happen still? Oh, yeah. Yeah, I, was, I told you, I was listening to one podcast, and a guy had claimed to be healed from AIDS. He was transgender, taking the hormones and everything, just in jail, just the most wicked depravity. I would even recommend it you listen to, but it's kind of don't let your little kids listen. It's kind of adult stuff. But he got saved gloriously. God can't save people like that. Are you kidding me? Oh, listen, don't be ridiculous. Don't tell me about people Jesus can't save. You have no idea what you're talking about. He can save anybody. He saved so many now. His, his track record is beyond, you know, debate, beyond question. And he healed this guy. The guy had full-blown AIDS. He was HIV positive, and he was still living that lifestyle. He wasn't godly. He wasn't saved at that point. 
infecting others and stuff, and he got saved. And he, and he, was, he, was, he was healed of AIDS. I'm like, oh, that's, I never heard of that before. And now I'm hearing more and more about it. Um, we can't do that. You say, we can't heal him. We, we can't. God, God chooses to heal. We don't have a button. You know, it says, is any among you sick? Call the elders. And they'll anoint him with oil. We all know the passage in James. I, I believe that. We do that. Then what happens? God. God will do what God wants to do. I wish... You know, because people accuse, I'm going to read this next story here where Dorcas restored some, uh, is restored to life, where Paul raises somebody. And we'll, we'll, I, I, I wish, uh, let, me just, let me just read it. All that dwelt at Lydon Saren saw him and turned to the Lord. So the big thing is that these healings aren't in and of themselves. Just, it's a mechanism for people to turn to the Lord. And that's a wonderful thing. Do you want that in the church nowadays? I do. I don't like, want this to become a three-ring circus where people are healed. Does God want to heal people these days? I think he does. I can't tell him how to run his universe and how it's going to happen. And it's not my lack of faith. You just have to understand that. Uh, we can get all the faith people here, muster them together, pray how you know, faith people do, and then God's going to do what God wants to do. I'm accused of having no faith by saying, just saying just what I said to you. I, I, I don't... I don't see how it's any different. The people who say, well, you know, you tell the Lord, this is it, and this is how it's going to be. We have faith. We command, you know, healing. And in the whole worldwide world, I don't know anyone who's living that. I know many people who profess that. But if we all went to their church, we'd eradicate sickness, all eight billion of us, seven point whatever billion. Is that happening anywhere that you know about? I know a lot of people who are claiming it. I've never seen it. I'd like to. All things being equal, I'd, I'd like to see people get, who get prayed over always get healed. That's not God's will. Why? God's run the universe. He's been doing it for a long time. It's a fallen world. You're going to die of something. You stick around long enough. You just are. Well, if enough prayer and enough oil is flowing, everything's going to be fine. You're going to live forever. You are going to live forever, but it's not in this body at this time. It, it just isn't. So look at this next story here. There was a jopper, a certain uh, disciple named Tabitha, which by inter interpretation is called Dorcas. This woman was full of good works and alms deeds, which she did. Now, uh, Tabitha's a wonderful name. <laughs> Dorcas, I, you know, I shouldn't say. Uh, I'm not naming my daughter Dorcas, because it just sounds like dork. And you, you, when you name your kids, don't you always think what's going to rhyme with it, what people are going to make fun of, and what, don't you think like that? Because always, we always thought like that. And we named Micah, and your dad said, I think it was your dad or your mom or something, said, uh, people are going to call him full Micah. I don't think anyone's ever called him that. You know, it's kind of funny because we named Micah, Micah 6, 8. It was, I, that's what the name, I actually wanted to spell it with numbers, you know, 6, colon, 8. And she said, no, uh, we're going to name Micah David. And that's cool because I like David. So that's what we ended up naming him. And I thought, like, I like Micah. And if people call him Mike, that's cool. Like, Mike is, Mike is a solid name. But uh, if anyone calls him Mikey, I'll just throw up because that's the, 
grossest name, Mikey, you know, hey, Mikey, he likes it, you know, life serial kid, you know. And I was just like, I hated that. And to this day, I think the only one who ever calls him Mikey is me. Go and figure. So we, we plan these names and we rhyme them. Every day. I name him my daughter Dorcas. But it's a nice name. Tabitha means gazelle. Right? That's a sweet name. Uh, and it came to pass in those days that she was sick and died, whom when they had washed, they laid her in an upper chamber. And for as much as Lydda was nigh to Joppa, and the disciples had heard that Peter was there, they sent unto him two men, desiring him that he would uh, not delay to come to them. He's going to pray. Now, I, when somebody dies... People don't call the pastors of the church generally. They call an undertaker. They call a mortician. They call 911. And we don't have opportunity very often to pray in a situation like that. I would. I would. You know, very often in the New Testament we see people healed from blindness. Why? Is blindness easy? No, it's not that. I think there's a picture going on here. I once was blind, but now I see. And there's a darkness light metaphor proposed. Uh, when Jesus restores somebody's sight, he restores their insight. He restores them to clear vision, to thinking correctly. I think that, that's a metaphor. Jesus only raises that we know about three people from the dead. You think only in the three and a half-ish years where Jesus was ministering, only three people died in those years? I think when somebody goes to heaven, if we were to bring them back here and raise them up, they would get up and punch us right in the nose. Won't you pray for my resurrection once I'm gone? I, first guys, I'll just poke them one. God knows where he's dragging people back from. She's a believer. She's with the Lord. All her problems are gone. You know, people always say, like, you know, when the funerals, there was, oh, you know, this one, they're looking down on us, and they're just, really? You really think like that? Because I never did. So I'm going to heaven, and I, I see the Lamb of God, and, and I'm with this incredible, more than... I have not seen, nor have air heard, nor have entered into the hearts of men the things that God has prepared for them that love him. I, so I get on that celestial shore, as we sang about, just so I can watch a funeral going on down here? I don't think so. I think I got more important things to watch and look at and learn and fellowship. And I, 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 don't, I don't think it's that way. It could be that way, but I don't think it's that way, okay? So you think it's one way. I, I don't think it's that way. And I don't think that God easily lets us come back. You notice uh, in the resurrections in the book of Acts and in the resurrections among Jesus, the people resurrected never speak. Lazarus comes back and says what? There's no, nothing recorded. The widow of Nain's son. Nobody comes back and tells us. So all the things that we watch on YouTube where this guy came back and I was in heaven, you know, four nights and three days. I'm thinking, wait a second, there's no night there. And then some other things you start looking at it, and I don't know. Uh, I'm not saying, please listen, I'm not saying anyone who says that, they're a liar, they don't know what they're talking about, it's all unscriptural. 
Because I've seen some stuff, and I've heard some stuff, like you have, and I'm thinking, hmm, hmm. The one who comes back and says, oh, heaven uh, is a wonderful place. It's a beautiful field, and you're running through meadows of flowers, and they don't ever, 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 ever get around to talking about Jesus. I think that's false immediately. Don't worry, it's all good. And when you get there, it's just a place of singing and dancing and light and rainbows and unicorns and... Yeah, you might have had a near-death experience. I don't want to hear that. You know, we're not getting near-death. We're going all the way into it and out the other side and into that. And So if you tell me there's nothing to worry about and you don't mention Jesus, I'm sorry. I I can't receive what you're saying. I I don't think so. She's restored to life, but again, not everybody is. So I was accused and said, isn't the church a place where people are supposed to be restored to life? Spiritual life, for sure. Physical life? Is that always the best thing? Think about if nobody ever dies and we just keep praying them back to life. We'll be like way past 8 billion. We'll be like 80 billion, right, at this point? We'll be like, hardly be able to move. (laughs) And I'm not one who worries about overpopulation. Why don't I? Because God knows what he's doing. Someday, it's going to be my turn to go home. I want to die of acute rapturitis. But if not, we're all going to do this thing called death. I want to do it like a man of God. I want to be a witness to everybody. I, I want my life to, and my death to mean something also. Well, anyway, it's not her time. God does this so he can be glorified, so he can win the day, so he can... Uh, so hurry up, come on down. Why? You know, God can raise somebody after one day, two days, three days eight years, um, well, whatever. So anyway, they hurry up because it's less of a miracle if it's, right? I, I don't know. That, people think that way. Peter rose and went with them. When he was come, they brought him into the upper chamber and all the widows stood by him weeping and showing the coats and garments which Dorcas made while she was with them. So she's a seamstress and she's making all this stuff. Is that why they're sad that she's gone? I don't know. Um, we, we don't know how to, we, we were taking lessons from her and the lessons stopped because she's died and we didn't get all the lessons. I don't know what's going on. They obviously, she was very much loved and they're very upset. And so they're showing him the coats like, does that mean I'll pray for her? And if she didn't make coats, I would, I don't understand what that pot's about, but I don't understand a lot about people and the way they behave and the way they react sometimes. I, I mean, I just don't. Uh, it's funny to me because they're showing him all that stuff and he's like, yeah, that's nice. That's very good. She's, wow, very talented. She deserves resurrection. It's not like that at all, right? And Peter put them all forth and kneeled down. Why did he put them all forth? Can I ask you a question? Why did he put them all forth? Because I think about stuff like this. You read that and you just go on to the next verse. Probably, if you're normal. If, listen, if you'll go to church here, normal, that's in the rearview mirror and diminishing all the time. I'm just telling you. Uh, do you. Do you read something like that and say, why did he put them all forth? And I think this, I think this is why, and I could be totally wrong about this, and you don't have to agree. He wanted privacy. Why? Because <sighs> when you're asked to pray, you're you're out there. You're putting yourself out there. Now, I, don't think, I don't think in those terms like, if this doesn't happen, I'm a total failure. 
people should find another church. I'm praying over this situation. If it doesn't materialize the way I am praying for, I'm praying for healing. I'm not praying to keep somebody dead, right? In this situation, somebody, there's a corpse, there's death. They sent for Peter for what reason? So he would give her life again. I would rather be, I don't want an audience in a situation like that. Why? I'm, it's not my failure. It's really God's decision. But you know how it is? You know, you know what I'm talking about? When we're praying for something, I remember I was with Steve and this lady had some big, ugly boil kind of thing on her leg. Steve, uh, what was his last name? Steve, when we in Haiti. Anyway, huh? Right. They don't know him anyway. So I'm with Steve and like, this lady comes and she doesn't speak English and she was showing us because we're men of God, you know. Yeah, we're Americans. We must be imbued with this incredible power. So I said, go ahead and be bold. She don't speak English anyway. <laughs> if she does, do you have, can you, be, are you less bold when you're asking? Think about it. Because I'm saying we could just ask, she doesn't know. I thought about that in the interim, like, if she, because then we always pray, like, soften it by, like, your will be done, Lord. Like, that's our caveat, our backdoor escape when it doesn't happen. But I don't believe it's our backdoor escape. I believe that's how God really operates. He want, we want his will. Um, would you want healing and restoration outside of God's will? You read the story of Hezekiah. He's given 15 more years. Manasseh took the throne when he was eight, his son. <laughs> Manasseh was a wicked, wicked, wicked king. Maybe the worst of the southern kingdom. You think like, was it God's will to give him eight more years? One wonders about these things. Do we want to pray against God's will? We don't see the future. God knows the future. Uh, the other thing is, is sometimes you don't want an audience to be, but the other part about it is that's not what, the way life always works. Where, you know, when people ask us to pray, pray. Just pray. Just ask God. And then it's really on him what he wants to do. I don't mean in him or on him. I don't mean that in a sarcastic, you know, snotty, arrogant kind of way. I mean, his reputation's online. And so people want to put it on us. They want to put it on you. So you had a lack of faith. You Really? Oh, I'm sorry. I don't see that. Show me the guy who's got the, all the faith. Well, you see, you say that because you've got a lack of faith. You have to see it. Okay. I'll, I'll own that. Sure. But in the whole planet, what they're saying we ought to be able to do, I don't think... What they're saying is nobody got it yet. Nobody got the memo. Nobody got the spirit in such a way that every time they pray, it happens immediately, just what they say. I command you arise, and people are just jumping up out of the tombs everywhere. It doesn't even happen in the book of Acts. So we, we get, we're, we're, we're treated to some of these things. But see, why am I telling you this? Because something's going to happen this week or this month or this year when you're going to be praying for somebody who's sick and you're going to pray for their restoration and they're going to get sicker. And then you might pray that they don't die and they're going to die. 
And then you're going to have this big crisis of faith, and I'm trying to soften the blow before it happens. No, it wasn't your lack of faith. No, you're not a bad guy. No, it's just there was the time. God is God, and let him be the way he wants to be. We don't... We don't have all the answers. And, and accusing somebody, it was your lack of faith that killed this. That is just, I told you, I told you we feed sheep and we beat wolves. Don't come around here with that stuff. I ain't, I ain't letting that, you, you're attacking sheep here. And you, you're doing it theologically, but you're still attacking sheep. And you're comforting nobody. I, I ran into this and I, was, I wasn't an elder then. I was probably just before I was, or maybe I was, I don't know, it was a long time ago, I was like 30, right? Uh, ish, I mean, when I became an elder, I think I was 30 years old, and I went to this non-denominational Baptist-style church. And this lady was praying for her husband to be healed, and he had uh, leukemia. He was getting sicker and sicker, it was obvious to all of us, and then he died. And she got hold of one of these tracks, one of these faith tracks where like, you know, you tell God this is the way it's going to be, and you tell him, and you command it in the name of Jesus, and by faith in the blood, and all this. You can just read these things, and she killed her husband. She didn't have enough faith. And I was a young man. I didn't know half of what I know now. I probably forgot the other half, so I wasn't. But I knew that that's not God. That's wrong. When somebody dies and it's your fault, Really? That Paul's beheaded. <laughs> that is lack of faith. Peter's crucified upside down because he didn't have any faith. You know, and we see the things in the New Testament where you read, you know, Paul says, uh, I'm trying to think of the name of the guy. Somebody, have I left at Miletus sick? Anyone know that one? Right off the top of your brain. I'm always able to quote it, but I can't now. One of his associates, he's traveling with, and he leaves him at this place called Miletus because he's sick and he can't travel. I don't know. And I'm thinking, well, you're Paul the Apostle. Why didn't you just heal him? You heal all these people. Because you can't tell God this is how it's going to be. Here, it is that way. Yay. Here it's one of those, yay. Peter put them all forth. Okay? I don't need an audience. I don't need uh, you guys watching me. He kneeled down and he prayed. And turning him to the body, he said, Tabitha, arise. Do you remember when Jesus healed the, uh, the daughter of uh, the, the uh, synagogue ruler? When he, when he healed him, her? He said, Little lamb, arise. Talitha kumai. Lamb chop. It's so tender. I, I know King James. I say unto thee, maid, arise, or damsel, or something like that. That's not what he said. He called her little lamb. Talitha kumai. Here it's Tabitha kumai. And it's really, like in English, there's only one letter difference. I think Peter, because he was in that. When that little girl came to life, he, he was there. He was that inner, you know, you know Peter, uh, James, and John, you remember? He, he, he got to see that. So I think he would be comfortable with this little 
equation of prayer. I, I don't know, because we do things like, you know, we hear something, we see God work a certain way, and then we, okay, what were they doing? What, how were they holding their feet when they were, how were they standing? Were they, did they wave? Did they, you know, we try to get a formula going. Is, is it a formula? No, never. No, never. It's God being God. And God can do what God wants. Listen, I have perfect faith in that God can do what God wants. My faith is not wanting. There's nothing broken or, or unbiblical about my faith and the ability for God to do any, anything he wants to do. I, I really believe in the God who said, light be, and he spoke everything into existence. I really, really believe that. I believe in the God who got himself up from the dead. Okay, this death, this is old, just reanimated, stood up, walked out of the tomb, just all by his I believe in that God. What's this rock doing here? Flips it aside, you know. Just, he, I believe in the God of talking donkeys and floating axe heads and all of that stuff. I totally, totally, totally believe. And I believe he's sovereign. He can do what he wants. And we don't tell him this is how it's going to be. And it's not your lack of faith. And no, you didn't kill anybody. God sometimes says, no, 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 it's their time. It's their time. There's, everyone's coming here eventually. Some, it's their time now. You have permission to be sad about that. You even have permission. You know, I, I have people after somebody dies, I hear some of the most <laughs> sorage come out of people's mouths as they shake an angry fist at God and why this and how come you and just accuse God of this? He's got broad shoulders. I don't think he cares about that at all. And I think those toxins got to come out. I think that's all right. I think that's that's fine. I'm not. I'm not encouraging you to curse God. Don't get me wrong. I I, I know people who love the Lord. That 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 poison that it, it just it, it it makes its way out. They don't mean it. Don't. Let it be a, oh, this is it. God either heals this one or I'm done with God. Really? They're in heaven with God and that's a bad thing? I, I think in those terms. I mean, I, I believe this book, the whole thing. Well, here, he, he kneels down, he prays, and he turns himself to the body. Tabitha arise. Tabitha kumai is what he says. She opened her eyes. When she saw Peter, she sat up. <laughs> this bearded holy man there <laughs> praying over and he's like, she's like, yeah, what's going on here? Yeah, she sat up in a hurry. Isn't that a beautiful story? Because sometimes that's what God wants to do. Does he want to do that all the time? Well, that's the uh, argument, isn't it? That's always the debate. Miracles by their nature don't happen all the time. That's why we call them Miracles happened all the time we'd call it Tuesday think about it he doesn't always create he did that once he doesn't he, does he always redeem yeah but he doesn't always redeem everybody you can pray Lord bless the missionaries and everybody and make sure everyone goes to heaven but we know that scripture says it's few we're the few. It's a narrow way going, narrow. 
road going to heaven. It's the broad way that leads to destruction. Are we the few or the many? Well, the many, if you look at all the years and all the church and the bride of Christ, is a, is a, that's a big number, more than the stars in heaven, right? But, and I think that, by the way, that means uncountable. God can count. But my point is, is that you can pray, Lord, save everybody, but I don't know God's going to answer that prayer. You can pray it in faith and have the right formula. And I don't think, I still don't think it's going to happen. So I encourage you guys to pray. I encourage you, when your prayers don't work out like you think they should, still have faith in God. So I prayed in the past. I prayed for my dad, and he gets saved. For since I was 20, when I got saved. Oh, I think dad died about six or seven years ago. Right to heaven, right? I don't know that. Not, just not comfortable for me to say, but I, I want to share. I want to open up. I want to be transparent. I don't know that. So what do I do? Oh, God, you're a... Is, is free will? It's a fallen world? Does God give us choices? Listen, I think if you're not going to heaven, that's on you. I, I'm sorry. There's enough for me in this Bible to believe that whosoever will means you. If you want it, you're in. If you want to stay, oh, I don't need Jesus. I'm perfectly oh, good without him. That's on you too. You say, well, you don't know he went anywhere besides heaven. No, I don't. No, I don't. I mean, and it's kind of good not knowing. What happens when you pray about somebody to get who's sick for a long time, you pray for them to get better, and they don't? I don't know. This is a wonderful story, but it's, no, it, it's miraculous. It doesn't always work out that way. What do you do? I don't know. I just keep praying because my whole thinking is this. And even after like death and stuff, I don't pray like, Lord, save them if they're not saved. I mean, whatever side the, of the river the tree fell, I think that's where you'll find it. I don't think you hop from one side to the other by prayers after the fact. I don't think there's any scripture that tells us anything like that. But I will tell you, you know, my whole thing is I'm praying for this, I'm praying for that. It doesn't happen. Now I got two problems. The thing didn't happen. Now I'm mad at God and I'm never going to talk to him again. I don't think that's wise. I just don't think that's the answer. Lord, I'm, I'm saved. I, I, I'm, I'm going to heaven. I thank you for that. And I thank you that you're a prayer in God. And then when you're not, well, you're God. You've been doing this for a long time. I just showed up recently. I'm not staying long. I don't know what you know, and you, you know, this, this hurts, this, this situation, this, this thing, I see somebody getting sick, I see, you know, marriage going south, I see a guy out of work, I see, you know, people hurting, I see loneliness and suffering, and all this stuff, and I'm praying, and it doesn't get better, it gets worse, so what am I going to do? I don't know, I don't know, I'm your pastor, I just keep praying, I don't know. Do you have a, something in, okay, if this happens, Lord, then I'm never going to serve you again. I have someone in my family that happened to, and they haven't served the Lord since they were 20. It's been almost two decades. Really? You want your uh, life with God to be conditional? Well, here, praise God. She opened her eyes and she sat up. And when he gave her his hand and lifted her up, we had called the saints and widows, presented her alive. Now, that's a happy day. That's a, that's a, I, I love the story. 
She punches him in the eye for bringing her back. I don't know. I don't think so. Maybe on the other side. You know what's going on there, you know? Angel comes, yeah, you got to go back. No, I don't want to. <laughs> uh, no, it, don't worry. It'll be just temporary. You know, you'll die in another couple decades. But you got to go back. You got to do stuff. It's going to be in the Bible. We're going to, you know, Adam's going to be able to teach on it and all this stuff. I mean, I don't know what's going on over there on the other side. You can, we can only venture a guess. But here, it was good all the way around. She was very happy, apparently. They're all happy that they received her alive. And it shows us that God has the ability to raise the dead. Does Peter have the ability to raise the dead? No. <laughs> no. No. I don't believe in healer people. I, you know, people have healing ministries. God will heal when God wants to heal. And it was known throughout Al Joppa. And many believed in the Lord. Look, the bottom line, the takeaway. Many believed in the Lord who's able to overcome the grave. I want you to have the same faith in that same God. Uh, we don't see this all the time today. I've heard testimony of it. And I don't know. You know, I haven't seen it. I believe. I have no doubt that God can do anything. I have no doubt. And the last verse, we'll finish it off. It came to pass that he tarried many days in Joppa with one Simon of Tana. Now this says volumes, and we'll pick this up next week. Why is Peter hanging at the house of an unclean tradesman? This is, he's going to be ceremonially unclean. A guy's a tanner. What's he doing? He's working with pelts, death. He's not ever <laughs> clean. And Peter stayed at his house. I think the Holy Spirit of God is positioning him for the unique ministry he's going to have in chapter 10. And this is uh, our way of knowing that. What's God doing in your life? Well, he's getting you ready for the next phase of your life. We, we, we don't know. The next chapter, the next season, he's, he's giving us the lesson. He's telling us what we need to know. It's an open book test so that when we go through the next thing. Have you ever been in a situation where you learn it on Sunday and then sometime during the course of the week you're tested on it? Yeah, my whole, yeah, always. My whole life's that way. We, where we are is where we are. Where we are in Scripture is where we are in life. The things that we're learning are the things that God wants us to know. Why? Because he's, he's, he's bringing about change in us that are going to make us more and more like Jesus Christ. That's why all things work together for good to them that love the Lord, who are the call according to his purpose, for whom he did foreknow, he did predestinate to become unto the image of that glorious Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, that's the good. That's why we know it works out together for good. He's, he's working in us to bring about those wonderful changes. And so what does he use? He uses his word, among other things. He teaches us, and then he's going to test us on it. And will you pass? I hope, if it's a hard test. Why? Because the tests of the Lord are pass or do over. And he's going to get us there, whether we are dragging our feet or cooperating. So... Just a word of the wise. Now our, we'll end there. Uh, I'll, I'll pray. You can stand. Our worship team will come up and send us out of here in song. Lord, from uh, today's lesson, we understand that you're a prayer-hearing God and that you're an awesome God and you're a mighty God and death to you is nothing. It's not... It's just small obstacle easily overcome by our mighty and glorious king. And Lord, our, the long and short of this is we're going to trust you this week in our prayer. 
tonight when we assemble for prayer. We're going to trust you. We're going to have confidence in you. We're going to have faith in your ability to do mighty and wonderful things. And then at the end of the day, we're going to let you be God. And we're not going to tell you how you're messing up or what, what a disappointment or failure you are or anything like that. We're just going to have faith that you're able to do all things. Do all things in our life today, Lord. We ask it in Jesus' name. Amen.